The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Lauren Fix. She calls herself the car coach. She's a nationally recognized automotive expert and uh, knowledge about everything having to do with cars. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Well, thank you for having me. Let's start with your background and your expertise, and how did you become such an expert about cars? Well, um, I'm actually a tomboy, and I'm from Detroit, and my father worked for the big three automakers, and so he always had cool cars in the garage. He had a Corvette, and a Barracuda, and a Thunderbird, and I'd go out in the garage, and instead of being one that played with dolls, I played with matchbox cars, so I said to my dad one day, you know, what are you doing? He said, oh, you know, blading the brakes, and of course, I asked to help, and from there, I didn't realize I had opened up a door. I started as this tool jockey and uh, blood brakes and changed clutches. And, and as a kid around 10 years old, this was kind of cool because I could spend time with my dad. And, and I loved it. And uh, I started racing when I was 16. Uh, I went to school uh, for business because I loved all this automotive stuff and worked in the auto industry from being a dealer trainer, to which means when the new cars come out, you train the dealers about the new cars, to... Um, Literally every aspect of it from the automotive aftermarket, uh, which my father ended up owning a breaker manufacturing company, and I worked there and designed and developed components. I'm a member of the Society of Automotive Engineers since the early 80s. I am an ASE certified technician, although I do not wrench on cars. Um, it was, and I've been on a bunch of TV shows. I have been worked, I have three books. My whole life has been cars, designing, developing, restoring, racing. If it's car-related, I've worked the dealer side on the automotive aftermarket side. And tell me what your website is and what can people find at your website? Uh, it's laurenfix.com. It's L-A-U-R-E-N-F-I-X.com. And what you'll find is a lot of information that, is, that keeps evolving. Um, when we were kids, both you and I, um, it was funny. You could work on a car yourself or your dad could. But these days... There's a lot of intimidation. Your average car has got 100 processors and little microprocessors and 24 to 30 computers. And it sort of makes you concerned to do anything as simple as changing brake pads or changing the oil because there's a sensor that literally monitors everything in your car. And because of that, and that's, you know, what I talk about it a lot of, a lot of times is that people are concerned and they go to the dealer because they feel that there's no other place to go when in reality they can go to aftermarket repair shops. So I try to take away all the smoke and mirrors, try to empower you so if you're not doing it yourself, you understand what they're talking about, and you can actually be able to save money and make good choices, whether it's buying or selling, leasing, uh, or maintaining your vehicle. So in general, the car market's doing extremely well right now. Uh, sales are at about a 15 or, million, 15 or 16 million annual rate. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of give me a state of, of the car market from the buyer's point of view. Is it harder to get deals today, or kind of what's the supply-demand situation from the buyer's point of view? Well, it depends what 
you're looking for. Right now, the truck market is super strong. So if you're looking to purchase uh, a half-ton truck, we're looking at an F-Series, a Dodge Ram, a, uh, you know, a Nissan, whatever it might be, a Tundra truck or a, even um, a Chevy truck, you will find there's not a lot of movement on the price because there's so much demand. And usually when this demand kicks up is because you'll find that when the economy is bad and people are out of jobs, they start going back to some of the trades they may have learned as a kid or maybe they realize, you know, I could repair computers or I could do, you know, plumbing or electrical or whatever it might be, landscaping. Some people do anything in order to make their job work. Some people have created an eBay business, which is kind of cool, uh, picking up stuff at swap meets and such. And so these are things that are really uh, important for the average person who is trying to do something with their lives. Now, if you're looking at a Toyota Camry, uh, pretty much any sedan, uh, any SUV, there is absolutely movement uh, for negotiation. And my key words are never, ever, ever pay retail. I don't care what you're buying. I wouldn't even buy the newest, hottest Corvette for retail. I would go around and try and find a dealer that maybe is in Kansas City who may not be able to sell it as easy as someone in New York City and negotiate the two against each other. Always shop around. You know, the Internet gives you the opportunity to shop around for a new car or for a lease. And uh, don't be afraid to go to another city. I mean, I live in Buffalo, but I've driven to Chicago, Erie, Pennsylvania, California, Florida to get a car. I just bought a car to Boston. So, and I can get the best deal that way. So never pay retail and look for those incentives. How has the Internet changed car buying? and Has it made it easier for consumers to kind of get the, the weight of power in their behalf? Absolutely. I think the Internet has been very helpful because now those incentives that you might have missed because you don't watch television or maybe you missed it in the paper, the 0% financing or, or this type of discount, uh, you may have missed that. You may not even realize that if you're a new college graduate, there is a new college graduate discount. There is a newly married discount. If you were in the service, there is discounts uh, through companies that are credit unions like USAA or through your local bank. You have to ask. And these are things that most people aren't aware of. One of the big things that you would find on the Internet if you took the time to research is there's something called a conquest discount and a loyalty discount. It can range from $1,000 to $2,500. So if you were buying, if you had a, well, go with a higher-end vehicle, you had an Audi, and you decided to stay with that brand. You loved the car. You had a great experience at the dealership. You really want to stick with that brand. When you go in to negotiate for your next lease or your next purchase, there is a loyalty discount because you're sticking with the same brand. It can be as much as $2,500. If you don't ask for it, you forget about it. The dealership will ask for it from the manufacturer, and they get the money. And the same thing goes true if you change brands. Maybe you decided you want to try a BMW this time or a Mercedes. You switch brands, and there is a Conquest discount. Again, you don't ask for it. You don't get it. The dealer gets it. So there's a lot of these things. But as you say, it's not something people are doing all the time, uh, shopping for cars. They do it every three years, every five years, maybe even longer than that. So they're not going to stay up to date on all these different deals all the time. Is there a right. central source? Do you have some things at your website, a central source where – when people are shopping, they can see what deals are available at that particular moment? Right. I always say one of two places to go. One, always go to that manufacturer's website. It does take a little time if you're going to, whether it be Ford or Kia or whoever, go to the different websites and look at seeing what they have that's current. Many of them expire at the end of the month, and the best time to make a deal is between the 25th and the 30th of the month. 
they're more likely to move on those days because maybe the sales manager came down on them and said, you know what, sales this month in this particular car is not what we expected. Do whatever you have to do to close a deal. So there would be a little bit more flexible, shall we say, at the end of the month. Um, the other thing you can do is go to websites like truecar.com, T-R-U-E-C-A-R.com, or Edmunds, E-D-M-U-N-D-S.com. There's lots of different ones, Kelly Blue Book, which is kbb.com. Those are all great choices in order for you to try and find the best incentives and any deals and find out what people are paying for in your area because you put it in based on zip code and it's keyed in information. Is it in general a good idea to trade in your existing car when you're buying a new one or is it better to do it independently? Um, I always say there's two ways to do it. Keep it as a separate deal. When you walk in a dealership, and the first question they're going to ask you, are you buying or leasing? And if you answer that question, it, the best answer to that question is, I'm not sure yet. But if you answer the question, they know which direction to steer you so that they can close a deal. Because their job is to close sales. And they may do it in a very creative way, and they may be in a very aggressive way to paint on who you get and where you're going. But I would say, I'm not sure yet. And then they'll say, do you have a trade-in? I'm not sure if I'm going to trade in or sell it on my own. And then the, my next favorite question is, how much can you afford a month? And you say, well, that I'm not sure. That depends on the vehicle. Because if you answer any of those questions, they got you. And you want to steer the conversation, not them. And so when it comes to getting rid of your old car, most states offer a tax credit. If you're in a state that charges whatever percentage, like I'm an eight and three quarter percent, that's a lot of money. If I'm buying a $30,000 car and I'm trading in a car worth $10,000, I get a $10,000 credit in taxes toward the new vehicle. Most states offer that, depends if they, of course, have state sales tax. So that's something you need to calculate. If you were to sell that car in your, you know, on local curb or maybe to a friend, you would have to sell it for that much more. So you actually have to calculate those numbers because many times it doesn't make sense to trade in a car. However, I always tell people try to do it as a separate deal. Negotiate the price of the car and then say, you know what? I've got this car. It's five years old. I'd like to trade in toward it. What if you bought this car out separately? What would the cost be to trade it in? And you'll find there's two different numbers. Don't be afraid to negotiate because they're going to try and offer you the absolute lowest wholesale price and try and sell you the new car for the absolute highest retail price. So remember, it's wholesale to wholesale or retail to retail. You want retail for your car, then you're not going to get as much off the new car. You want a lower, you don't care about a lower price for your car, then you better get a lower price on the new car. So when you're trading in your existing car, you just can't look up its value in a Kelly Blue Book or Edmunds, and if you get that price, you should be happy. You should try to do better than that. Oh, well, it depends on where you live. That's why you put in your zip code. If you've got a 4x4 four four and you live in the upper half of the country, you're obviously going to get more money for that than if you're looking to sell an all-wheel drive vehicle in the lower half of the country because it's not going to make a difference in New Mexico or Alabama or Florida or Georgia because they don't really see snow um, and unless they travel north. So it's harder for them to sell an all-wheel drive, as is a convertible would get better numbers, better resale numbers in the lower half of the country than the upper half of the country if you're trying to sell it in November because they don't want a car. What are they going to do with a convertible in the middle of November? It's snowing. It's going to snow soon. People are thinking about the holidays. Yeah. These are all factors that you need to consider. If you don't care about where the car goes, there's always eBay Motors. You can go to uh, autotrader.com. There's a bunch of online sites you can sell. Just be careful of Craigslist because there are some sketchy people on there. If you're really not savvy with cars, with something that has like eBay Motors has Safe Harbor, 
where you can deal exclusively through their website and, and you're protected. So be careful on those. But if you do your homework, you can actually get really good numbers for your vehicles. And I've sold a lot of vehicles that way. When you're going in for a new car, should you mm-hmm. keep the purchase price of the car as a separate negotiation from the financing if you're going to finance or lease it? Or should those all be combined into one negotiation? Well, I try to keep it separate at first. Sometimes it's a better deal and sometimes it's not. But keep it separate initially. I also always recommend getting financing prior to going to the dealership. So if you're a member of a credit union, absolutely check with them. Some of the credit unions have some fantastic rates. Again, there are discounts. If you've been in the military, you have family in the military, there's websites like USAA. Um, I know they offer discounts on cars and discounts on financing and insurance. Why go, why, why go and pay full retail from the finance and insurance guy at the dealership who that's where they make their money versus going to a credit union where you can get your best rates? And that's really a big difference to you when it comes down to the final numbers per month. So you're saying you would get a better price on the car uh, if you just negotiate the price and got the financing elsewhere like a credit union than if you yeah. tied it all together and got the financing at the dealership. That's true. The dealership does not like that, I promise you. They really don't make their money on the sale of the car. They make their money on the financing, and they make their money on the service side. So if you live in Chicago, and you purchased your car in Omaha, Nebraska, and you brought the car to your local whatever Honda dealer, they're going to service it. They have to. Uh, but they actually like that because that's where they're going to make their money, the dealership you choose to do your service at. Um, and when it comes to the purchase, they prefer to have both. But if you come into any dealership, whether it be long distance or local, and you've talked to your credit union, you've got your financing in place, that's a non-negotiable. And then you can negotiate strictly on the price of the car, and it gives you more buying power. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Lauren Fix. She calls herself the car coach. Her website is laurenfix.com. We'll be back after this. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Business owners, do you run your business or does your business run you? Put yourself on the road to success by tuning in to Success Unchained with hosts Anthony and Julie McGloin. At last, discover how to overcome your biggest challenges, take control of your business, and achieve the results you've always dreamed of. Find out how with our resident master business coach and world-class guest experts. Transform the nine key areas of your business and unchain your true potential. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Lauren Fix, the car coach. Her website is laurenfix.com, everything about cars. Welcome back to the show, Lauren. Thank you for having me. Uh, hybrids. Let's talk about hybrids a little bit. They've become pretty much mainstream. Uh, what are the pros and cons of getting hybrids, and do they kind of pay for themselves for most people? Lost you. Hello? Oh, okay, I was just asking about hybrids, and I was mm-hmm. saying, uh, do they typically pay for themselves, and is it a good idea to get a hybrid? Well, that's a very good question. Um, depending upon where you live, for the most part, the average person will take five to seven years in order for them to recoup their money. So, if you live in the middle of the country where maybe you don't have the same rush hour that New York, L.A., Boston, Chicago, you know, the, the high congestion cities, D.C., um, make, owning a hybrid may not make sense for you unless you spend a lot of time sitting in your car watching your kids play soccer or football or whatever their sport of choice is. Um, the reason is the, those vehicles really work on the hybrid mode best when they're below 20 miles an hour. So unless you spend a lot of time sitting in rush hour traffic, uh, where I live, the only time we have rush hour traffic is when you're leaving a sporting event or some sort of concert. So for us, it doesn't make sense. And for that reason, Chevy Volt sit on the lot. Uh, Nissan Leafs are very hard to sell. And the dealers that are forced to take them have to trade them to other dealerships that are in need, that are in bigger cities, or cities that have congestion, because there are some smaller cities that do have some congestion. Um, as far as other forms of hybrids, it's not just gas and electric or just an EV car, which is an electric vehicle. There are other forms such as compressed natural gas, which you can get in California. Uh, for example, the Honda, which is a huge demand for and far than enough supply. Or what I purchased because I like to have towing capacity. I want to be able to drive long distances. I want to sometimes maybe let my car idle leaving a sporting event. I purchased a diesel vehicle, and you can buy, for example, a VW Jetta wagon, and you get 53 miles to the gallon. That's amazing. That's as good as a hybrid, sometimes better. Uh, the price is less, and it's easy to find diesel. And these vehicles will last hundreds of thousands of miles, just like big trucks with just a little bit of maintenance. Very good. Well, you have a whole long list in your book of the things people should look for when buying a car, but what are some of the things that people typically don't think about uh, that get the trip them up and uh, buying a car. Well, sometimes they get they get tricked by when the dealer, like I said earlier, the dealer asks, "So, how much can you afford a month? Are you buying or leasing?" And you're thinking, "Well, maybe we'll buy something that's reasonably sized." And the dealer tries to put you into something smaller or something bigger because it's about payments. The truth is, a really good dealership should take the time to find out what you want. And your homework is before you even walk in that dealership, what do I want? Do I need all-wheel drive? Yes or no, that's up to you. You know, Do I want a minivan? No way. It's got to be a wagon. I refuse to drive a minivan. Or maybe that's all I want is a minivan. Well, then you have limited choices of five vehicles. But if you're looking at a sedan, literally every manufacturer makes a mid-size sedan. That is the, the biggest, broadest B-segment, they call it, of cars. 
And when you're looking in that category, there's lots of choices. You could buy a Kia Optima, you could buy a Ford Fusion, a Toyota Camry, a Nissan Altima. And literally every manufacturer makes something that could be within your price range, including the German manufacturers. So what I tell people is try to pare down what you want and what you don't want. Uh, my mother-in-law is looking for a new car. She told me she absolutely will not buy certain brands. Why? I have no idea. She can't even explain it to me. Maybe it was something from her father, but that's okay. I mean, everyone has their personal taste. I always say that P.T. Barnum says there's a butt for every seat, so there will be a vehicle that meets your needs. And I always tell people, once you've figured it out, you've pared it down to three or four cars. You know, these, these are definitely one of the three cars I want. And I just talked to a friend about this yesterday, actually. Uh, she said, I'm not sure which of these three vehicles. And they were all in a very high price range. I said, number one, sit in that vehicle. Because as a female, number one for us, and this is based on a lot of studies that I've worked on, is seating comfort. I promise you, no matter what you buy, it will never get more comfortable the longer you own it. And that is so true. So seating comfort is number one. Visibility is number two. And number three is safety. That's what the order is for women. And then after that, it's all the goodies and gadgets that you want that may not need. Uh, maybe maybe some people want satellite radio. Some people want a sunroof, leather seating. I mean, all those fun things are extras. But seating, visibility, and safety are priorities. And that's not just for women. That's for guys, too. So make sure you sit in both the driver's seat and the passenger seat. Indeed. Uh, let's talk about buying versus leasing and uh, when it's appropriate to buy and when it's appropriate to lease. What are their pros and cons depending on how you're going to use the car? Give us mm -hmm. the pros and cons of buying versus leasing. Well, you're the expert in the financial end, so I'll leave that part of it to you. But when it comes to making those choices, I say to people, how many miles do you drive a year? Some people don't even know. But, you know, all you have to do is go out and look at your vehicle, find out when you purchased it, and divide that out. If you're someone who doesn't drive that far, maybe less than 5,000 miles a year, it makes absolutely zero sense to lease that vehicle because anything under actually 10,000 miles a year makes no sense because you're going to pay 10,000 miles on a minimum lease payment. And if you don't use that, then you're leaving money on the table. But let's go the other direction. You drive more than 15,000 miles a year. Then I tell people, don't bother leasing because and I have a friend who drives from New Jersey to Pennsylvania. He works at QVC, but he lives in New Jersey. He makes that drive multiple times a week. He doesn't live there, so he drives back and forth. And he was really torn on his choices. And I said, there's no way you could lease. He'll put 100,000 miles on that vehicle in a year. So he had to make a choice. He actually ended up choosing a diesel vehicle because of fuel economy, um, which makes sense. And there wasn't a lot of sitting. It was just a lot of driving. But leasing that vehicle would be crazy because after 15,000 miles, the payments get so expensive that the overage, what you would pay per mile, would be crazy. It would make you cry if you got the bill. So, so that's the first thing is the uh, – it should be typically 15,000 miles a year or less. And then right. as far as uh, the amount you put down and the uh, interest rate on the lease versus the uh, uh, financing the car, what are the pros and cons of that? Right, so you're talking between ten and fifteen thousand miles a year is would be your ultimate driving because usually it's ten, twelve, and fifteen thousand miles. Now, when you're going to lease a car, there are lots of incentives. You really have to sit down and do the math because some places will say, "Well, we'll give you twenty five hundred dollars off," or "There's no money down," or "It's zero percent financing." 
you really have to read the print because what I tell people with the big print giveth, the small print taketh away. And that is so true because what ends up happening is when you figure out the numbers, sometimes it's more, some of those deals are absolutely not worth it, which is why I tell you if you can get leasing done through a, a credit union, which rarely happens, uh, it is an option to consider. Uh, as far as money down, it doesn't make sense to put a huge amount of money down. If you're buying a $25,000 car, and you're going to put $5,000 down, that's a lot of money. Because basically, leasing is like renting. And in the end, you're not, your payment may be just a little bit smaller. If you're looking to save 10 bucks. it's going to be for every $1,000, you are going to save so little that you might as well take that money and invest it, and you'll have, certainly get more money out of it. Um, you'll, get, you'll, you'll make interest off of it in some form if you invest it. Uh, even if you kept it in a savings account, you'd probably do better. Uh, when it comes to purchasing a vehicle, keep in mind you should keep it three to five years in order to recoup your money. How does the residual value that the uh, per, the manufacturer sets affect uh, whether a lease makes sense or not? And, uh, you know, when 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 it comes due at the end, there's residual value, and that mm-hmm. affects very much lease payments. Explain how that works. Absolutely. Well, residual value is actually done by a company who actually drives all the vehicles when they first come out. I've actually met some of the people that that's all they do. They're not journalists. They come and they drive the vehicles, and they determine the residual value, especially in new cars like the Kia Cadenza or the Buick Encore, brand-new cars that no one's ever seen before. Someone has to determine what that car is going to be worth three to five years down the road. And so what they do is they evaluate the vehicle, decide based on wear and tear and the materials and the components that are in it, by test driving it and spending some time with that vehicle, what that vehicle's worth down the road. That number is solid, and whatever that number is, decided on by this company, the banks stand by it, the leasing companies stand by it, the loan companies do, the credit union. So it's not like that's a negotiable number. So if the car is worth 40% of its value three years down the road, that's something you need to know because certain cars have higher residual value than others. If you're looking at a Porsche Cayenne, yes, it's going to be worth more than a Ford Explorer down the road. But if you're looking at something that might that's a unique car, like the new Corvette, those residual numbers are being calculated as we speak. But what's nice is that that vehicle may have a substantially higher resale value or residual value at the end of a lease, so therefore the payments will be smaller. But my only tip for that is it's very rare, if ever, to make sense to purchase a car off a lease. Number one, it's not negotiable. The number you sign on that contract is what the bank is expecting as a buyout at the end. So if they said that car is worth $25,000, and you go to Kelly Blue Book or wherever and get a value, and it says the value is 20000 you cannot go back to the loan company and say, you know, the end of my residual said 25000 Would you take twenty? It's not. There's no auction here. The deal is yeah. the, that's the price. And for you as a consumer, it doesn't make sense to buy it out unless, one, you're extremely over mileage to the point that the difference between what the car is worth and what they want for it is – close to being equivalent to your overage on your mileage, I would say don't take the car, let somebody else have it, and either lease or purchase another vehicle. Yeah. Okay, when buying a used car, what are some of the things you should look for to make sure you're not getting ripped off? Well, number one, there's a lot of vehicles out there you have to be very careful of. There's 650,000 flood-damaged cars just from Rita and Katrina alone. You add in Hurricane Sandy and all the other flooding that you're seeing on TV, and there's a lot of cars that are being aired out and that are being resold. And 
one, many people think, well, wait a minute, what, didn't the insurance company destroy those cars? Some yes, some no. If the person didn't have insurance because it's not required in every state, I live in New York, we are required to have insurance on our vehicles. But in some states, it's not required. And so, therefore, what they would do is air out the car and sell that vehicle. So you may think, so what's the big deal? It had water in it. Someone cleaned it up. I don't care. Well, you will if you're in an accident and the airbags don't deploy. The anti-lock brakes don't work. All that, what they call passive safety systems, don't work. So the worst thing you can purchase on a used car is a flood-damaged car. So I tell people, if you're looking at a car, whether it's on a new lot, a used car lot, some friend is selling it, take it to an independent ASE service attack. And that would be someone who's a service technician who works on cars, who will put it up in a lift, take the wheels and tires off, look underneath, tell you if it's been an accident, give you an idea of things coming down the road. This car is going to need a transmission. This car is going to need brakes. The tires are almost worn out so that you can use it as a negotiating tool or decide to walk away. Never be afraid to walk away from a used car deal. If you're going to buy a car that's certified pre-owned, I suggest getting it from that make. For example, you're looking for a Honda Civic, go to a Honda dealer, look at other Honda dealers online in other states before you go and purchase it from a Toyota dealership because they're just looking to get rid of it and they'll do a quick safety inspection. You want someone who's actually doing a certification on it. Is it illegal to sell a car that's been flood damaged and not to disclose that? Well, that's an interesting conversation because I've been fighting that. Uh, it is not illegal, believe it or not. Uh, they're supposed to be destroyed if they're listed as destroyed in the title. Uh, it's supposed to be. But, however, there are about five or six states that what they have called washing titles. So if I bought the car in Alabama, it was a flood-damaged car from Katrina. I'll take it to Pennsylvania, get it titled in Pennsylvania, then I'll take it to another state and get it titled. And that what they call is a, a, a junked car that disappears because the states aren't picking up that information because they don't all share the same information, and some of them don't transfer that information. So there's a buyer beware involved. For so sure. you as Are a consumer be... need to get it checked. For sure, yeah. Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Lauren Fix. She's the car coach. Her website is laurenfix.com. You can say she's a big expert at everything about cars. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. 
Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Lauren Fix. She's known as the car coach. Her website is laurenfix.com. Everything you want to know about cars. Welcome back to the show, Lauren. Thank you for having me. We want to talk about the controversy around ethanol gas. Uh, what should people know about that these days? Well, you know, it's funny. It's When you're taking corn that should be put into our stomachs and putting it into our gas tanks, that really means that the cost of food goes up and the cost of gasoline hasn't certainly lowered at all. It was supposed to. That was the initial intent. Uh, what they're doing is ethanol, just so you know, is they take corn and they process it down. And it takes bushels and bushels and bushels of eth- of corn to create one gallon of ethanol. So right now, no matter where you live, except for a few exception stations, when you go to pump fuel into your car, it is 10% ethanol, 90% gasoline. Now, if you happen to have one of those flex fuel vehicles, like Chrysler product or a GM or a Ford, that allows you to run what they call E85, that's 85% ethanol, 15% gasoline, you can actually run whatever you want. However, keep in mind, running E85 in a vehicle that is not designed for it will literally destroy your fuel and engine system. So many people are aware of that. But recently, the federal government has decided to pass a law that they want E15 placed into the gas tanks. Now, that may sound good in thinking, oh, yeah, that's great, but that means, again, even less corn going to the markets, which increases the price of food, and even more corn being processed to go into your gas tank. The problem is ethanol does not stay blended with gasoline. So when you pump it in your car, whether you pump it morning, evening, or night, whatever it is, at some point the ethanol will drop to the bottom of the tank because it weighs more than gasoline. And the pickup point for all that fuel is at the bottom of the tank. And so you start bringing in this ethanol, it destroys your emission system, your fuel system. You might see a check engine light. Maybe it's low on power. Wow, the fuel, the, the miles per gallon are are definitely less than it was. And what you're doing is you are destroying your emission system and there's nothing that can be done except for maybe put certain additives in. There's a couple companies that make additives. So, and then when that ethanol is gone, then there's gasoline that's left, but it's a lower octane because ethanol is so corrosive. So when you think about what happens is then it causes engine damage. Who's paying for the damage to your car? You are. So it's highly recommended that you stick with the E10 gas, avoid the E15. Almost every manufacturer except for two 
has said, if you put that in your car, it will void the engine warranty. So please note not to run E15 in your car. And also, unless you've got a flex fuel car, then you're okay. So are you saying it'd be better if if we didn't have ethanol at all? It's it's too much of a subsidy and there isn't – I mean, supposedly it's cleaner to run, right? Well, it it actually isn't um, because of the damage that it does to the cars and the energy and the power plants that are required to process it and how much corn is needed to process it. So ethanol is not good for your vehicles. It's a huge, huge controversy if you get online. Don't compare it to Brazil. They use sugar cane. They have a lot more sugar cane than they use corn. And their vehicles have actually been modified. Almost every manufacturer there has modified their vehicles to run on the sugar cane. So those vehicles can't travel in other countries other than Brazil. So you can't simply take it to Venezuela and think you can run it there because they're running gasoline. So that's something you need to be aware of because if you've got a check engine light and you've been to the dealer multiple times and the repair shop's like, I don't know what to tell you. I've tried everything. We could keep trying to change your mass airflow sensor, your air fuel mixture. I I don't know what's wrong. You have an ethanol problem. There's three or four companies that make an additive you pour into your tank. It's about $5 for a little bottle. Uh, One is uh, Wellworth Fuel Fix. There's Stable. Uh, BG makes a product. And there's a couple other independent companies that are out there. So that you can add, but it's going to cost you an extra $5 per tank. But that's like a gallon of gas because, remember, ethanol actually reduces your fuel economy by 30% because it actually has, it, it has less energy than gasoline. So pure gasoline, if you can find E0, as they call it, that would be the ultimate choice. I see. What are some of the common myths that people have about car and car, car buying? Oh, I think one of the big things, a common myth, and I just did this on John Stossel's show, was changing your oil. That old, change your oil every 3,000 miles and your car will last forever makes no sense. Because even a little Honda Civic runs on full synthetic oil. Because these little engines have to be so light to meet the EPA, what they call CAFE standards, which is the corporate average fuel economy. In order to meet that CAFE or corporate average fuel economy, they have to make these cars lighter. So they run aluminum engines. And they run synthetic oil because it keeps the temperature of the engine down. It gives it better lubrication, less emissions, better fuel economy. And so when you go to your favorite place to get your oil changed and you have regular oil put in, your engine's going to run too hot, which could cause damage, number one. And number two, if you change it every 3,000 miles, synthetic oil is good for 5,000 to 10,000 miles depending on your vehicle. Why throw the money out? I'd rather see you take the money and go out to dinner or invest in something else. It makes a lot more sense. Yeah. All right. I want to talk briefly about uh, insurance, auto insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the things that people don't realize uh, when they're t- comparing and trying to get the best deal on auto insurance? I think you need to shop around. Sometimes people get so complacent. You know, I've always dealt with this company since I was a kid. My dad dealt with this company or this, this agency. Don't be afraid to shop around, whether that's online or otherwise. And the reason you want to do that is, there are discounts if whoever is insuring your home is also insuring your car. And also you can adjust your deductible. Be careful not to make it so high that if you do have an accident or something that's unplanned, that you can't afford the deductible. So when you increase your deductible, you can lower your payments. So when someone's quoting you, make sure you're comparing apples to apples. Uh, if you've got an older car and you're looking at insurance, maybe you've got something that's from the 90s, I hate to say that doesn't seem like an old car anymore, <laughs> but if you have something from the 90s and maybe it's got 80,000 miles on it and you're driving it, having collision insurance does not make sense because when the car is 
in an accident, they're going to total it anyhow, and you're going to get substantially less than what you've invested into the purchase of that collision insurance. So check with your insurance agent to find out what makes sense for your particular situation. And how about a rental car insurance? Is that it's typically part of a credit card these days? Is that uh, ex- excessive and people shouldn't sign up for that? Well, that's a very difficult question because you need to check with your insurance agent before you travel. Um, if you go to California, drop a quick call to your insurance agent, whether it's their 800 number or you have a local broker. And so, you know, I'm traveling to California and I'm renting a car for our family. Am I covered under my current insurance policy? They may say, yeah, not you're fine. But keep in mind one thing. I always buy the extra insurance in some state, in most states. And the reason I do is if somebody gives me a fender bender or and I cut out to my car and I don't know it, oh, someone backed into my car, you can walk away from it and they'll take care of it because you paid the insurance. However, if it's your fault and you hit somebody, that's another story. When any time that vehicle is down and it cannot be rented and it has to go in for repair and you did not purchase their insurance, you will be billed for the non-ability for them to rent it. For example, uh, my husband rented a truck. Somebody hit him. It wasn't his fault. But the insurance company said they'll they'll pay for the damage to the truck. And then he received a bill in the mail from the rental car company. Uh, And he's like, why? It wasn't my fault. I I had nothing to do with it. They said, well, we can't rent that car for a week while it's being repaired. Somebody's got to pay for what we expected income to come in off of that. So you'll pay for it because you didn't buy the extra insurance. Wow, that'll surprise a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah, so make sure to check with your insurance agent before you leave some Credit card companies cover it, like American Express, especially if you're platinum or diamond or you got a black card, you're probably covered. But double-check because every state has their own regulations. Uh, you have a little section in your book about roadside assistance programs, AAA and those mm-hmm. kind of things. In general, are those a good idea uh, to get, or are there one you think is better than another? Well, that's, that's an interesting question. If you just purchased a brand-new car, even something as similar as a Kia or a Hyundai, believe it or not, it may be included. So if you've purchased AAA and you're using it exclusively for roadside protection and you have a breakdown on the side of the road, you need gasoline, you have a flat tire, maybe the car won't start, those manufacturers are including it as part of the price of the vehicle. And it's funny because you think that everyone would be using it, but the fact is the take rate on that is very, very low. So for a manufacturer to offer it, it's sort of it's a giveaway because no one's ever going to very few people actually use it, uh, or it's too far away. Um, I know someone had an Audi who called for service. He said the closest dealer was two hours away. So that person ended up calling AAA, and then AAA took care of it. So that person had both. And I happen to have both because I have some newer vehicles. But every manufacturer that's new, pretty much every single one, except for like Suzuki and Mitsubishi, probably don't. But for the most part, they offer a free roadside service. So if you're concerned, double-check that that list of items that come with your vehicle. Why pay for it if you've already got something coming for free with a car? It has to be available. They have to be around, not be too far away when you need them. Right. It depends where you live and what you're doing. And, again, everyone's got different lifestyles. If you live out in the country and you're thinking, oh, boy, there's not a dealer around. I bought this car. Um, like where I live, there's no Maserati dealers. If you have a breakdown, you're done. You can't call Maserati and say, come get the car. They're going to say, you bring it to us on a flatbed. So that's where having a roadside service company makes sense. How many people own Maseratis? I don't, but I know people that do. (laughs) Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Lauren Fix. She's the car coach 
uh, real expert, as you can tell, about cars. Her website is laurenfix.com. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Or listen on demand to our archived shows. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Lauren Fix, the car coach. Uh, Her website is laurenfix.com, a real expert on everything having to do with cars. Welcome back to the show, Lauren. Thank you for having me back. So let's talk about dealing with a car technician. Uh, there are almost more computer scientists these days than car people. How, how do you know what's going on? It's so complex. How, how do you speak car talk and, and not feel you're getting ripped off? Well, that's the whole thing. You know, it, it, I always say, say to someone, if you broke your arm, you would go to the doctor, they'd take an x-ray, and they would say, okay, do you see where the brake is? Okay, this is where we're going to put a cast. And you go, okay, I get it. And then they ask, do you have any questions? That's your same responsibility when it comes to your car. You don't have to be a doctor. They show you. And you don't have to be a technician. What you always ask is, I I don't understand. Can you show me? Now, a really good technician will take the time to take you back to the shop, show you what it looks like, show you why things wear, show you what's wrong with your car. Take those few minutes because that brand loyalty that you will receive will always make you to continue to go back to that service facility, and they know it. However... Uh, there are some that will say, no, I don't have time, you know, look it up on the Internet. That's not someone you want to work with. Someone should be willing to sit down and say, all right. And there's a lot of companies that have figured this out. Say, what do you hear? What do you smell? What do you feel? Uh, use all your senses except for taste. I guess you could kiss your vehicle if you love it that much. But for the most part, all those senses are information that you need to capture. I, when I make a left turn, uh, and boy, do I hear a squeal. At 50 miles an hour, there's a severe vibration that I don't feel when I go faster. 
or slower. You know, boy, it smells like rotten eggs or something not right. All those are important things to tell a service writer because then they can guide the mechanic on what to do. And a good service writer should take the time to explain what's wrong, explain how they're going to fix it so that you understand it. And if you don't understand it, don't be afraid to say male or female. I would like you to spend a little bit of time and explain that to me. Hey, it's your money. Why just give it to someone based on whatever? And, and while you're at it, don't let them convince you into an engine flush because that is absolutely a scam. Do you think that, in general, people are overpaying for getting their car serviced because they don't understand what's going on there? They just kind of accept whatever's told to them? I think it happens a lot, especially with quick oil change places, and they get really mad when I tell the truth because, obviously, their goal is to upsell. Just like when you go to McDonald's and they say, do you want to supersize that? Because they're looking to make money. And it's your personal choice. No one's, you know, twisting your arm. So I always say to people, before you go ahead and just say, yeah, go ahead and put that air filter on or do that engine flush, sometimes it doesn't make sense. For example, an engine flush is, a, is an absolute waste of money, where an air filter will cost you $5. And if you go to an auto parts store that does not have a service facility, they'll install it for you for free. So why you know, wiper blades, air filters, and batteries will be repaired for, replaced for free as long as you buy the product. So I tell people, be careful what you, you know, what you ask for. It's easy to get the upsell. I understand it's a convenience, but sometimes if you're going to pay $50 for the replacement air filter that costs $5, I think you're leaving a lot of money on the table for them that's coming out of your pocket. You have a whole chapter on cleaning your car, what you call the five W's, uh, wash, <laughs> wipe, wax, windows, and wheels. What should people know about keeping their car clean? I think the number one rule, and this is something that's overlooked on a regular basis, is never, ever, ever use household products on your car. So, yes, the dish soap is awesome for washing your dishes and taking the grease and the grime and the extra food off. It is the worst item to wash your car with because it literally takes off all the wax as well as everything off of your car. So that includes the shine, you know, that nice, brilliant shine when you have a beautiful car. And it nice it sort of sparkles. You won't have that sparkle if you wash the car with dish soap. And then you're going to be forced to put on a good coat of wax, which will sort of like be the Karate Kid, wax on, wax off. It's a huge project. And unless you've got the time and the experience to do it on a shady afternoon uh, in your garage or under a tree, I suggest you use automotive soap to wash your car and get it waxed on a regular basis. You have a whole chapter on what you call personalizing your car. What are some of the things that people can do to personalize their cars today? Oh, my gosh. There's so many goodies you can do. Uh, I go to the Consumer Electronics Show every year, and there are so much, so much fun. Uh, you can do anything from a radar detector to GPS units to putting in um, all kinds of cool stereo systems. You can personalize your interior. And not just you don't have to be like a car guy to do this. I mean, for women... For us, maybe, maybe there's not enough cup holders because you get kids in the back seat. Maybe you have no place to put your purse. So I developed a thing called the car. It's a car hook. It's called the bag fix, and it hangs between the headrest posts in your car, and you can hang a purse or a laptop bag or a briefcase or a kid's backpack. And all that was designed because there was a need for people wanting to personalize their cars. So people were sitting in the seats instead of their things and having them not hit the floor. So there's all kinds of goodies that you can buy, ways to mount your cell phone. Um, when I travel, I use my iPad. I don't bring a GPS unit. It makes more sense. And there are mounts for that. You can suction cup to the window so you don't have to have it on the seat next to you. 
or you can even mount your, your phone if, if you don't mind doing that, or hands-free devices uh, on a bigger picture. You can put cool wheels and tires on. There are places like Tire Rack where you can see what it looks like on your car before you order it. You, know, you just put in your year, make, and model. So there's lots of neat things. Uh, some people still like pinstriping. I've seen people with new cars put flame jobs on. You know, they put the, the stickers that look like the flames from the 50s. Everybody wants to personalize their car. My rule is you are what you drive. So make sure it's something you really love, and it'll love you back as long as you take care of it. The new thing seems to be more video and televisions and computers and Wi-Fi and more electronics mm -hmm. in the car. Is that somewhat dangerous for people are being distracted by computers and TVs and all these electronics? Well, it's designed for the other people in the car, not the driver. And that is something that there actually was recently a lawsuit. One of these customizing uh, TV shows had taken out the airbag and put in a TV for the driver, which in my book is absolutely ridiculous. But they got in trouble with the federal government. You cannot remove airbags when doing these type of things. If you wish to have something, uh, one of the coolest things, Blue Eyes to hang an iPad or some sort of tablet uh, off the back of the seat for kids because they always want to see their own thing and they never want to see what the other one's seeing. But they have wireless headsets. There's a ton of great technology um, in being able to, to travel with your family and let your kids be occupied with a video game or a movie, or I, I hey, we used to listen to books on, on CD so that we can discuss them. But my kids are older. When they were younger, we listened to all the Harry Potter books on tape. So that was a long time ago. Indeed. We have about a minute or so we have left. Kind of just give us an overall view of where things are going in cars. Where will cars be five years from now? What kind of things are we going to just starting to see that will become more, more common in, in the future? I know you've probably heard about uh Self-driving cars, I think that's crazy. If you want to have a car drive for you, take a cab or get a car service. But what you're really seeing cool stuff is more detailed backup cameras, lane change departure. So if you drift into another lane, blind spot detection. So it actually helps you not do that and push the car back into the lane. So it's a blind spot detection. Uh, recently, we're seeing technology where uh, pedestrian crossing, if someone walks across the street, maybe you miss it. Maybe you're distracted from all the goodies in your car. that will actually stop the vehicle for you. Uh, active cruise control, which allows you not to get too close to the vehicle in front of you. And coming up will be car-to-car -car communication. So if an emergency vehicle is coming by, you'll get a notification on your screen. Wi-Fi is becoming more prevalent in vehicles now, as well as HD radio and all the you know, the ability to take some of your favorite iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Mog, there's a, uh, AHA Radio, there's a whole bunch of them that you're allowed to put into your vehicle. I guess there are apps being designed specifically for cars as well, right? What are some apps yeah. that are coming? Oh, I've seen some really cool ones. Actually, Ford had a big display at CES. One of them is AHA Radio, which are like little, they're, they're radio shows like yours, that if I missed it, maybe, oh, I really wanted to hear what you had to say, Jordan. I can listen to it on AHA Radio. It'll research it, find it, and let me listen to it. Um, the Wall Street Journal, USA Today are all coming up with their own apps that you can listen to at your convenience throughout the day through uh, applications like iHeartRadio, Stitcher, uh, Pandora, which a lot of people have heard of. Many of them have no uh, commercials. Uh, Apple's coming out with their own radio uh app also. So you're going to see a lot of that coming out that you can personalize and say, you know, I just want to listen to news. I just want to hear advice from Jordan, or maybe I just want to hear my favorite music and I don't want to listen to anything else. Very good. Okay, terrific. Well, thanks so much. My guest has been Lauren Fix. Uh, she's known as the Car Coach. Uh, her website is laurenfix.com. 
As you can see, she's a real expert at everything having to do with cars. Her car is called Lauren Fix's Guide to Loving Your Car. Thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Lauren. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks again, and we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you